0: Hello and welcome to the special bonus episode of Climactic, I'm your host Mark Spencer. This week our main episode was a special devoted to the people of Extinction Rebellion. The protest group formed in England, which is now worldwide, who are showing that the non-violent direct action techniques of Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Standing Rock and the Keystone Pipeline, these tactics are alive and well in the time of climate change protest and are getting results. What we aim to show in this week's episode is that there are people behind the headlines, and that for every act of non-violent direct action, there's real people involved, and that there are real stakes. I know for at least myself and maybe for a lot of you as well, there's been a lot of curiosity about whether Extinction Rebellion's methods will yield results, and if they're resulting in more people waking up to the risk of climate change or if it's hardening the hearts of bystanders. So the reason this bonus episode is going out is because you've heard a little bit of Violet's story already in that main episode, but I thought we had a very good chat about what Extinction Rebellion's theory of change is. Just how it's going to achieve the results it wants to see. Why non-violent direct action is the way to go. More on what it actually feels like to be one of the members of this group. And finally, how the media can play a role, especially grassroots citizen media like Climactic. So I really enjoyed having this chat with Violet. She was so generous with her time. And I'm really excited to be bringing you this fuller length interview now. Enjoy! Violet, where are we right now and, and what's this scene we're looking at over there just across the grass?
1: Uh, right here we are at Treasury Gardens at the Camp Out for Climate and at our toes is a graveyard for all the extinct animals and then beyond that is a beautiful campsite um, with all our extinction is forever act now signs and bunting and, and some people just um, just waking up and surviving the morning after camping out overnight in the city.
0: A group of really passionate people down here. Is it very loose or very tight group? Is there like a set, central sort of set of ideals everyone pretty strictly or, or or wants to adhere to as being part of XR? Or like, because if you look around the world right now, XR are doing a lot of actions, and even within Australia, there was um, one XR group that just got Inner West Council of Sydney to declare a climate emergency yesterday. Yeah. So they're like sort of playing within the council system. They're getting on the agenda. Other groups are doing direct actions. Some are doing both. Yeah. Do you feel like there has you have to be a certain type of person to be in XR or is it kind of a wide group?
1: XR is really for everyone. It really is. And we have a 10 principles. Those principles have things like we value reflecting and learning. We are decentralized and autonomous. So there are there are like values that we go by as a, as a movement, but there's everyone in XR. I was writing a song recently, I'm a musician, and it was like XR is for everyone. Bring your yoga teacher, bring your mum, bring your dad. So it really is. And, and that's the whole point. It's supposed to be just this fun place for people to land when they realize what's going on and fun is the key because you know when you realize what's going on people land here with climate grief and we see a lot of people when they come into XR quite distraught about the situation and and we we provide a safe and, and welcoming place for them to land and heal mm. yeah
0: that's a really good point it's it does feel like because I'm quite new to the, the climate community I'm, I I was kind of off the spectrum until recently whereas like yeah I was a capitalist I, I was a salesman I did started business. Me then, too. I was
1: a really good capitalist. Don't, believe, don't you worry. I was, I love to shop, you know, mm-hmm. And you. but that's the why we have, one of our um, principles is no blaming and shaming mm-hmm. because we're all born into this toxic system and we, you know, you have to learn. A uh, little plane yeah, overhead. <laughs> no such
0: thing as a quiet spot in the city. It's yeah. an aerial parking lot. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> that, that's really good. Do you find a lot of people who join XR are people who have already been involved with other groups or involved in the climate crisis? In some way, or is this for some people, is, is XR their first kind of way of taking action about the climate crisis? Um, if, or, from what you've seen, I agree. From what
1: I've seen, it's an even split. A lot of other groups that I've, so from XR, I've branched into other activist groups like Stop Adani and The Grey Power, who are just doing amazing stuff. But a lot of them are activists who've been doing it for a long time. They're sort of a little, you know, they swap out and help each other under the different banners. Whereas with mm. XR and particularly Camp Out for Climate, we've seen a lot of people who come along and they, they're like, oh, I've never been an activist before. And they feel like they're sitting in a circle full of people who've been doing this their whole life. But I haven't been an activist before. You know, this is my first time as well. And, mm. and you know, I just consider myself a concerned citizen here. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it's really, really for, for new people as well.
0: Is there an element of risk to this for someone who is new to it? I mean, like you are camping out, you are engaged in, in nonviolent direct action. Like, does this feel like a big first step for someone to take? And do you feel like that's going to be sustainable for them, like over the the coming years, as we need to continue this pressure?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. One of our ten principles is we have a regenerative culture, mm. and we're really about informed consent. We don't let anybody take risks that they're not fully consenting to. We have a legal team who advises on anything. Yeah, I mean, it, there are risks, but mm-hmm. the thing is, you know, like the suffragettes movements, like the civil rights movements, to be able to get the attention that we need, we have to enact on civil disobedience. It's gotten past the point of lobbying. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the strategy. There are plenty of roles that are not arrestable. There are plenty of roles mm-hmm. that are, um, are simple, like the beautiful graveyard here. Mm-hmm. This is an art installation. A lot of XR is art and Mm -hmm. so if you just want to paint signs for the revolution somebody will stand here and hold them for you and get arrested and you can say that's my sign being confiscated (laughs) but yeah it really is about civil disobedience at the end of the day yeah and that is a risk but it's a risk we're willing to take
0: there are other roles to fill of course there are a lot of other groups in the climate community fulfilling various roles and of course XR is famous for its direct actions for its protests and for its members getting arrested. But do you think that has directly led to some of the successes we've seen, especially recently with the declaration of climate emergency across the UK? Yeah, do, UK, do you s-
1: Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we can play hopscotch.
0: <laughs> Get a rugby team together. Yeah. Fantastic. The, the, the Climate Emergency Rugby World Cup. Well, yeah.
1: Touchdown!
0: And <laughs> I thought I was bad at sports metaphors. Uh, so no, when yeah,
1: sort of well, we went from hopscotch, I think yeah. that's actually a skipping reference. You know, do you, you ever in the playground, you're thinking England, Ireland, Scotland? Am well, I, am inside, I thinking outside, on.
0: Yeah, there you yeah,
1: go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, absolutely. The thing is that, you know, XR is based on an academic observation of mass movements in the past. Um, It started by Roger Hallam who, well facilitated by Roger Hallam, it's actually started by uni students. And the uni students figured out what was going on through their courses and and how bad the society was and they started graffitiing up their uni and flares and and kind of took them under their wing and said all right if we're going to do this let's do it smart and so um that's why it's non-violent because as much like i'm a moral philosopher and as much as i morally understand violence is bad um I feel the s-
0: urge sometimes if you get into the climate crisis and you're like, <laughs> existentialism can result in, in wanting to do something physically about it.
1: Yeah. So
0: terrified. But say it's not smart. No, it's, it's not And it's not smart. right morally.
1: Yeah, so um, 75% of violent um, civil movements fail. Of the 25% that do succeed, 95% of them end up in a totalitarian patriarchal regime because when you enact on violence you lose the vulnerable parties, like the women, the children, the elderly. And that's why XR is for everyone because we are extremely non-violent and non-violent to the point of open-heartedness. We have a really good relationship with Melbourne City Council. We have a really good relationship with the police. And when it does come to the point where they are arresting us, I've had this conversation with police here in the city. I was like, when it does come to the point where you arrest us, I want you to sit down and be like, all right, Violet, it's your turn. And I'll, and they're like, you're going to get up? And I'll be like, no, you're going to carry me. And I'll go limp and they'll lift me up and it'll be fun and, it, and, and it'll be non-traumatic. That's really important for them as well like I don't want the police to have Mm -hmm. to enact on violence on me either Um, they they
0: didn't become a police officer to carry away a young protester no and um, yeah doing everything you can to care for them as people as well that's really profound yeah and it's also smart because you're not hardening them against you you're You're showing humanity and getting treated as a human in return.
1: That's right. That's Mm. right. Yeah, it's so important that we understand that there is a person under that uniform. And most of them understand um, the climate crisis. I have uh, talks with Melbourne City Council and the police. And and last Melbourne City Council, the on-street compliance manager brought in the parks team leader. And the parks team leader was like, we understand that there's a problem. We're having trouble watering all the trees around the council like we don't have enough water to keep the the trees in the city alive so we are on your side but we have laws that we have to abide by and we have processes we have to abide by and I'm like so
0: they're asking please help us change those laws
1: yeah yeah they are and they're saying but and and so the system is set up that if we are civilly disobedient mm-hmm. they Follow through their processes. We follow through our process. We get the attention that we need. Mm-hmm. They get the change that they need as well. Mm-hmm. And it's almost just like a, a choreographed dance, mm-hmm. um, one that's been a time-honored tradition between protesters and the government. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cops and robbers. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but pantomime. Yeah. Because uh, yeah,
0: you're n- no one's really being antagonistic. It is. Um, it, it really is. L- it's a bit of a theatre show to get the attention of of mainstream society
1: that's it
0: um on on that regard what has been your kind of favorite action taken by xr either here in australia or or overseas
1: um uh you've got the the imagination the 95-year-old sitting on the train in the UK was pretty sweet when he pulled out his sandwich.
0: Like, <laughs> oh, man, yeah, yeah,
1: it was adorable. Um, also here, we died in the water of the NGV, mm-hmm. um, and that was really fun. That holds a special place in my heart because I was there and because I didn't get any eye infections or anything from being in the water, <laughs> which I was worried about. But
0: I mean, there's a lot of pigeons that take baths yeah, in that water. Yeah,
1: it was pretty gross. And we had to die like four times. So the water was clean, but the, the scum on the bottom, so by the time we died four times, all the scum on the bottom had come up. Yeah.
0: For those of you unfamiliar with the term, die-in, this is a type of demonstration used frequently by Extinction Rebellion. It's where the simulated mass death of a group of protesters is used in a public place to draw attention to the climate crisis. Recently Extinction Rebellion Melbourne have taken to doing mass die-ins on public streets, in shopping centres. And the particular action that Violet's referring to is a mass die-in into the water feature out the front of the National Gallery of Victoria in Melbourne.
1: You know, it's about sacrifice. And and that is the sad part about the contract between the activists and the government is that To get people to pay attention we have to show that we're willing to sacrifice ourselves for Mm -hmm. what's important Mm -hmm. and that it does include jail time Mm -hmm. and that is something that, you know, is is hard for me. Like I'm having conversations with my family about the fact that I might go to jail for ten years to fight for everyone's ability to breathe. And that that is the hard part about the contract. As much as we laugh and joke and want to have fun, there is real sacrifice going on here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess that really needs to be
0: acknowledged. Mm that's definitely a topic deserving of a, a fuller conversation sitting down with a couple people having that that serious talk of what is that like to to face that possibility knowingly yeah. can, can you be prepared for it is is there still an element where you don't believe it's going to happen even if you're you think you're in the place where you you could accept it mm. like would you take 10 years in prison for doing absolutely nothing violent absolutely nothing that is damaging to society in fact is is it's
1: an act of self-defense
0: yes yeah, yeah. that's really profound and i've really want, wanted to engage with that but i think i'll i'll put an in it for now yeah, but yeah. but if uh, i definitely want to circle back around to that in the future the table is set and the welcome mat is out for yeah. that conversation <laughs> so your favorite action is probably you know, the older gentleman in the uk sitting on the train having his sandwich and refusing to move and just it was a classic it was a great image And I saw it, and definitely people in the climate community saw it. But I'm curious, what do you think has been one of the most effective actions taken by XR that's actually moved the needle the most? Um, Or can you identify, you know, is it worth identifying single things or is it about a critical mass of actions?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there are a billion drops in the ocean Mm. and it's not just XR's actions. Um, I think every activist around the globe is just working their butt off And not just activists, people, like I said, I don't consider myself an activist, really. I mean, like, I am, I'm full-time here, but I'm just a citizen or a uni student trying to get this done. There are so many people working so, so hard. For anyone who didn't see it, I guess the biggest impact for me was the UK pink boat. You know, when the police are trying to dismantle the boat, they're carrying people away from the boat. The police are crying, carrying away the protesters. Children on microphones saying, thank you officers for protecting us from any violence. That was really powerful. While the police are deconstructing the boat, they're rebuilding the boat on the other side of the square, singing, we are the boat, you know. Um, I think that was a really, really powerful protest. What they're doing in the UK has been absolutely phenomenal, and I really hope that Australia follows suit and rises up. We only need 3.5% of the population on the street Mm -hmm. for that social tipping point, And, and I believe that we have enough concerned citizens in australia and especially in melbourne i think in probably seventy percent of melbourne are just a, an inactivist waiting to be activated so um yeah get, get yourselves down to, to an xr event and, and be involved because as soon as we have that critical mass we can really make some change
0: i had that thought just the other day i was was walking in the city coming from recording an event and i stopped to to eat my lunch i brought from home as you know the <laughs> the freelance podcaster I am not eating out. Nice. Um, and I sat down in front of this you know, nondescript office building, started eating my lunch, and then I looked up and I realized it was in front of the, the origin building. Origin Energy, who have recently rolled out a good energy slogan, which I, I laugh and laugh and laugh at because've I've personally picked on, picked Origin as my my rival. Yeah uh, I've got really mad at some Instagram ads they're running, talking about how great they were. And I just started tweeting at them like all the facts about you, you own the largest coal mine in the country. You got a page on your website acknowledging climate change, talking about how brown coal is the worst thing we could burn, and without a single mention of how you're going to transition away from owning the country's largest brown coal power plant. And I, I know I've gotten under their skin a little bit. I've had messages back and forth with them, and so I really wanted to walk up to their staff members, which were spilling out of the, the building for their lunch break. and. Then as I eat my lunch and I walk around the corner, there's about 20 of them all there having a cigarette break. And I want to walk up and be like, so let's, let's talk about climate change. And I'm pretty sure yeah, it would have been about 70 percent would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to have a conversation or I have thoughts. Yeah. Or like, I'm not going to not have this, you know, not engage about the topic at all. Yeah. I think you're right. I think we are close to that critical mass. Yeah. Sorry for the complete tangent there. No, no, I'll no. I,
1: I will. I really want to acknowledge on that point because mm-hmm. this is um, Origins, a one special to my heart. The Seed Indigenous Youth Group are protesting Friday mornings. They call it Frack Off Fridays. Mm. Um, every every Friday, seven thirty, it's a.m. So before work. So if you're a city worker and you want to go and support the Indigenous Youth, please get down to the Origin building. Um, just look on Facebook Seed, uh, and they will. The information for the events are there and, and yet yeah, it's so important to support them.
0: How do you kind of stay on top of what's happening across the community? I'll, I'll pivot to my favorite kind of like the media question of like, what groups are doing a good job of getting the message about themselves out there? Who's doing a good job of promoting what they're doing and also the effects of what they're doing and sort of welcoming in people from the wider community through the stories they're telling about themselves. How, like, how do you know about the seed actions and how, how are you staying abreast of what's going on with XR? around the world
1: mm, good question um, it is a bit chaotic it's sort of once you come into the family it's you just get start getting introduced to all your aunts and uncles um, and cousins and um, and you, you make friends and, and then those they invite you to things so it's really just about stepping in. I went to one XR event and then all of a sudden I was arts coordinator and and roped in so, so far. It's not hard to find the information once you just start to look. In terms of which ones are doing the best job, I want to acknowledge every single person who does anything. We have this really individualistic approach in society, but we really need to group up. So I would just say you know if if you are interested in being a part of the fight to save our planet and to save all these beautiful animals and and to save ourselves really don't swamp yourself with feeling the pressure of individualistic action you really need to join a team of people because that's It's the Gestalt principle, everything, you know, it's more than the sum of its parts. So the individual can only do so much, but as a group, we achieve much, much more exponentially more. So that's really all I'll say on that. I don't want to really highlight anyone in particular um, because, you know, they all deserve a big pat on the back. And, and, you know, like I said, everyone's a drop in the ocean towards the, the, the greater cause.
0: The beautiful thing about what XR is doing is that the groups are autonomous that one group can experiment in doing something and find it works for them, whereas another group, that might not be the thing for them, but they can find another effective way of doing their actions that, that suits them. So rather than saying, this group is doing this well, everyone should do it this way, that's, kind, that's a bit of a top-down kind of thing. But I think it's good to learn from what other people are doing, and the way we can do that is actually if we talk about what we're doing, yeah. and the wins and fails, and the lessons learned, so I'm not sure if you think there's value in, say, XR Melbourne. I'm not sure if even the group is, is, is organized that way around the city. But if the XR presence in Melbourne was to say, come on to community radio like 3CR fairly regularly or a, or a podcast like this, Climactic, do you think that has use in like a group actually using the media to tell their story, especially media that's actually going to give you airtime and not change the the message not twist the The story yeah yeah yeah
1: totally i mean i've already done one 3cr interview and and that was really great i absolutely i think it's really important that we get in touch with our media and and we are trying the guardians giving us a lot of coverage which is really good and we've just started to hit abc we had some coverage from the liberal protests we did on mother's day who has a conference on Mother's Day, stop it.
0: People who Uh, care more about politics than their mothers.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They're lucky my mother's interstate. (laughs) Or unlucky, rather. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess... I'm not sure really what I can say more than yes we do need a lot of media coverage and and um, we do have a decentralization and autonomy here so it is that chaos is, desi- is by design in terms of like um, we are split up into different groups, we have, we're non-hierarchical so um, no one's in charge mm-hmm. and, and uh, we do coordinate it, we have coordination teams um, who try and keep information and share resources between all the different decentralized groups. Um, but mostly, um, we just hope that people form an affinity group and, and, and start getting the word out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, s- sorry for the very, it's just like inside baseball. And again, to use a sporting metaphor, but like, it's very much in my wheelhouse, my interest in media, especially in, in podcasts. Do you think it would make it all sense? In, do, you, do you think it would make any sense at all for a group like XR globally to have a show where they actually allow groups to talk about what they're doing about what they've learned about successes and yeah. and fails and everything but rather than it being like a you know this is the xr message and we speak you know we we the people behind the microphone speak <laughs> as for all of xr it's like no we're kind of like we're the xr community radio and and all the individual groups decide what goes on this in these slots in this time are
1: you offering
0: I, I 100% am. I, wow. I literally am. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So I was going to ask like, if you know, whenever XR Melbourne or XR any group around the country, let alone like as climactic, we want to focus a lot on the South Pacific, on Australia, New Zealand, and in the Pacific Islands. But at least you know, within that that sphere, if any of the groups want to use us to to tell a story, to talk about something they've learned, just anything that's happened that they, they think would be useful, the way I picture it, especially if you've got like a member of XR who goes home at night after being involved in an action and their parents or their friends are like, hey, you were out all day doing this and you seem really excited about what you're doing. Can you tell me what you're doing? They're like, it's really hard for me to use like my, like I, I don't know how to filter my experience I've had through to language that I think will get through to you and be most effective but my friend or the guy who spoke at this talk this this young woman this young man were amazing and so inspiring and I wish you could have just been there to hear it and this way we can be like oh here's here's an episode about that action and you can share it with your friend with your family member and it can inspire them as well you can kind of them to until they take that first step of taking the plunge and coming along to an action you can give them the taste of it first It's kind—it's kind of a drug peddling metaphor. It's it's very much like first taste is free, but that's right. Yeah. So, uh, would you like to be the XR correspondent for Melbourne and, and come on?
1: Yeah, for sure, absolutely, sign me up. Um, And I think that that's a a beautiful place to have... uh, um, uh, It's also healing, you know, to be able to tell your story and be validated in that way. So, you know, I think sometimes we feel like we're screaming out into the darkness, especially when we first started. Obviously now we're picking up a lot of speed. This is my, like, fifth interview in 24 hours. So um, we are getting heard, um, but... Um, yeah, I think yeah, having a place for people to go and call up and tell their story is is really really powerful and and that's such a beautiful offer. Thank you so much.
0: This is your fifth interview in twenty four hours. Like you're you're getting the message out there. So best case we can do is is give more space or more time or be like a friendlier media outlet that'll sort of work with you rather than being like okay, what are your bullet points? How am I going to tell a story that's going to you know help my my existing audience understand you guys no, it's like our audience is you guys and these guys and these guys but what we really want to do is is start working with groups early days to get them that exposure and that that comfort with speaking to the media you don't want the first time you go on radio to be abc
1: yeah totally yeah my first time was 3cr it was it was can i swear
0: Absolutely, I'll bleep it. But yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) it was but early in the morning, um, pre coffee. um, Yeah, and um, and the hardest part about that is condensing. So I've got I started off with um, XR doing outreach talks which is a two-hour talk and so whenever I did interviews I felt like I had two hours of content to get into like Mm -hmm. 15 minutes or 10 minutes or three sentences which is really painful um, because there's just so much great stuff to to teach people and it is right that's right experience is key and I feel so much Mm -hmm. more confident here talking to you today after most of the interviews that we do are uni students actually Mm -hmm. Um, so they're like doing projects and they hear about us and and they want to cover us which is encouraging but yeah, since it started in universities and mm-hmm. hopefully the more we'll get more uni students coming along. Yeah, it's really good to reach out to the bigger places like yourself and 3CR and hopefully ABC. There's a radio in Geelong who's interested as well. So, sustainable
0: yeah. Hour, they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Tony Gleason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. Hey, yeah. Tony. <laughs> hey, Tony. I'm sure he'll listen. He's one of my heroes. I'm working really closely with Tony. So, yeah, he's fantastic.
0: Yeah. He's, he's one of the care bears of the community. He is so generous at this time and his experiences. And he's, yeah, he's had so many. Yeah. So that's, I'm really happy you're working with him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll probably have to shove off here shortly, but I understand you've got a, a big day tomorrow, but I'll be back to talk to you tomorrow all about that. Yeah. I'll probably end up cutting this because this will be, you know. Yeah, I feel like Violet was so generous with her time and I just wanted to thank her again for sitting down with me the night after a camp out for climate which meant she probably wouldn't have had a great night's sleep before that. So thank you so much for that Violet. I hope you took something away from that. I know I sure did. Straight away I was quite happy hearing there is a theory to Extinction Rebellion that this decentralized non-hierarchical group that shutting down cities around the world does have a method they're working to. That not only is there rules of the road like their ten principles, but there's a theory. That Extinction Rebellion has come about from studying the movements of the past, looking to build on their successes and learn from their failures and get something done. Now, I'm quite new to the climate movement and I'll keep saying that until it's not true, but it still is. And even though I haven't been in the movement very long or in the community, there's one thing that I keep noticing over and over again, is that groups of varied names, varied campaigns, groups across this community, are all really well-intentioned people. They want to do the right thing. They want to do something. They're aware of the climate crisis and they're freaked out. But not all groups are acting as effectively as they can. So I was really encouraged here that Extinction Rebellion does have a plan, they do have a reason, they do have a theory of change. But of course I didn't get into the theory of change and the politics of Extinction Rebellion or how we go about changing society as deeply as I could have with Violet. But that is something I'm interested in doing in future. And if that's something you'd like to hear, please just let me know. Please forgive me for my questions there at the end about the role of the media in the climate community. It is something in the course of doing this show I am of course very interested in. And I want to know how we can grow, how we can best serve the community, and who out there is interested in being a part of this. But I am really happy with how that came out, and how I was able to describe what we do, and who we're looking to work with. So, if that sounds like you, please just get in touch. Send us an email at hello at climactic.fm, and let's talk. Okay, I think that'll about wrap up this bonus episode for Climactic. Thank you for joining us again this week. We will have another episode coming out on Thursday, which will be the second keynote from Climart's Art Plus Climate Equals Change 2019 Festival. That'll be another good one and something to look forward to. I've been your host, Mark Spencer. Have a great day.